The Financial Times reports that President Tsai Ing-wen will give a speech in New York at an event sponsored by Washington-based think tank, the Hudson Institute, on March 30th. Tsai will also receive a Global Leadership Award from the think tank. Tsai has not made a public comment on the matter. The president was in Yuanling City in Zhanghua on Friday morning, visiting a leading tire manufacturer. She listened to suggestions from company executives and stressed that a budget for post-pandemic COVID recovery should be approved soon, as the relevant bill is currently under review at the Legislative Yen. Today, Mainland Affairs Council Chairman Chou Taishan quashed speculation regarding the reasons for the resumption of flights to China. The Mainland Affairs Council had on Thursday announced that direct flights to 10 Chinese cities would resume on Friday with another 13 cities eligible to apply for charter flights. Cho rejected that the move was made to pacify China ahead of a U.S. transit by President Tsai Ing-wen, during which she is set to meet U.S. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. Cho said the decision was made with the long-term considerations of Taiwan's people in mind. Chou Tai-san was besieged by media upon arriving at the Legislative Yuan. One day earlier, the MAC announced that direct flights would resume with 10 Chinese cities, with another 13 cities eligible for charter flights. Premier Chen Jianren has called the move a show of goodwill to China. The president has said many times that maintaining peace across the Taiwan Strait is the common responsibility of both sides. As long as it is on the basis of democratic reciprocity and peaceful dialogue, we're happy to carry out various exchanges and consultations with the other side. China was the one that banned cross-strait tour groups. In 2019, it banned independent travelers from coming to Taiwan, and in 2020, it banned group tours. So I would like to say that the matter of tourism is in China's hands. I think both sides need to work hard. The Transport Ministry also voiced hope that China would loosen its travel restrictions. With President Tsai Ing-wen set to transit the U.S. next month, some say the move was intended to reduce political tensions with Beijing. I think this is overthinking. Our assessments are comprehensive. As long as there is demand from the nation's people, we will make these kinds of plans. Pandemic controls have been gradually eased, so we have made some further considerations. Our nation's people have this need for cross-strait exchanges, so we are showing Taiwan's greatest goodwill. We also hope that cross-strait relations through these means can achieve what the president has requested, healthy and effective cross-strait exchanges. In the face of questioning from the media, the Mainland Affairs Council and the Executive UN say the resumption of direct flights is simply to promote peaceful cross-strait exchanges. Ten winners were announced on Friday for a contest to reimagine Chiang Kai-shek Memorial Hall. The contest, titled A Vision for Transforming, attracted 97 submissions, each with a unique approach to redesigning the site. One of the winning submissions replaces the statue of Taiwan's former authoritarian leader Chiang Kai-shek with a chair that anyone from the general public can sit on. Organizers clarified that the submissions were aimed at sparking a public dialogue and there are no actual plans to change the Memorial Hall.
In one proposal, all the buildings at Chiang Kai-shek Memorial Hall are gone. In their stead, a lush jungle. Another design converts the space into residences for older adults. Yet another one changes Chiang's statue for a chair that everyone can sit on. It's to flip the idea of venerating authoritarianism on its head. After removing the statue, a chair can be left in the hall for anyone to sit on. The chair represents the return of power to the people. History must be recorded but not worshipped. My design has vertical elements at different heights within the complex to represent that we are not just one. Former Transport Minister He Cheng Dan and former Deputy Minister of the National Development Council Zheng Xu Zheng were among the panel of judges in the contest. Of the 97 works submitted, five winners were selected each from the General Public Division and the Student Division. The contest was held to see what visions young people have for the memorial hall. In the journey toward transitional justice, information that has been kept hidden or set aside becomes public. I look forward to the future of Taiwan society, when people have the courage to stand up and express their sorrow. Perhaps perpetrators can also speak out about their fears. This can all be a force to encourage everyone. The designs will not actually be implemented in the space. Organizers say they hope the contests can spark dialogue and exchanges in society about how to come to terms with Taiwan's past, while bringing up possibilities to reform the landmark. If you're one of the people who have switched to duck eggs amid the chicken egg shortage, you might want to come up with a new game plan. Starting today, the price of duck eggs has gone up as suppliers face shortages. Farm prices are now 48 NT per 600 grams and wholesale prices 60 NT for 600 grams. For both, that's a 3 NT hike. The Council of Agriculture said the price hike reflects higher demand for duck egg products such as century eggs and salted duck eggs in the lead up to Dragon Boat Festival. That's especially the case of duck egg yolks, which are a traditional filling in zongzi, or glutinous rice dumplings. In addition, some restaurants may have decided to switch to duck eggs amid the chicken egg shortage, further pushing up demand. Rie Miguel Letofer, who is in Taiwan to present his first solo exhibition. The exhibition showcases over 30 of his newest paintings, but that were inspired by his own observations and reflections throughout the pandemic. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang spoke to Fair to learn more about his works and inspiration. It has to do with that uh, mood of introspection, and that's why many poets actually, during the past day when they spent time in Sintra to write, Walk into the exhibition and you'll see paintings that depict some of Fajeda's favorite childhood memories. One of the works is a self-portrait of Fajeda at Sintra, a town where he went hiking during high school. In this picture, I'm, I'm in Sintra, famous mountain uh, in Portugal, and I was uh, making self-portraits embodying stereotypes of masculinity. And as I said, I was using my own uh, clothing, but I was um, reflecting about a past that was not the one I was living at the moment. Uh, and I, I was exploring that, that idea of uh, artists going back to nature to get access to his inner world. 
again away from the constraints of the outside world. There are also paintings of a beach that Fajera frequented when he was younger. During the pandemic, Fajera moved from Lisbon back to his childhood home in the countryside. During the pandemic, I, I got back to my um, countryside place, and uh, this is a place where I could walk to. I was just going there every day and take images and going back to my studio and um, paint using this material. Painting them, I'm, I'm very present in the studio where I am, but I guess there's a sense of nostalgia for a past and a, a strong desire for a freer future outdoors, enjoying. Cheers. So it just, it's more organic. Due to being barred from social gatherings and restrictions during the pandemic, Fajera painted several works while reminiscing about his life before the pandemic and also envisioned what life would be like post-pandemic. There are paintings of Fajera's friends from different periods of his life. The paintings reflect his desire for connection. I go to my uh, archive of images and uh, in this one I was using imagery from the times I was studying in London. And then there's images from at the time I was uh, being going to the to the beach. So yeah, it's like, and then I create a space where these uh, characters and friends and times in life, everything conflates. Fajera was born in Lisbon. He earned his MFA at Goldsmiths College at the University of London. Since then, he has held several solo exhibitions and group shows in art institutions across Europe. In his newest exhibition held in Taiwan, titled Outdoors, Paintings for a Post-Pandemic World, Fajera showcases his latest paintings. The paintings are a reflection of the artist's thoughts and inner reflections on the drastic transformations during the pandemic, as well as rediscovering his childhood memories. I never think about painting as uh, message-oriented. or It's more like uh, self-discovery. And uh, uh, the questions I'm posing to myself, I try to answer with the, with the paintings. Sometimes the questions are not so clear. But uh, I was definitely dealing with post-pandemic times, with restriction times and, and projecting a post-pandemic future. I love how professional everything is and um, people are very generous and like yesterday I went to, the, to have dinner by myself in a restaurant and I was invited to join a group so I get the sense of there's a feeling special here. Fajera's first solo exhibition in Taiwan and his first in Asia will be held from March 4th through April 14th at the Mindset Art Center. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Lee Han in Taipei. Lawmakers on Friday called on the central government to address the problem of leakage in Taiwan's water supply system as southern Taiwan faces a severe water shortage. They say the current leakage rate of 13.1% means about 415 million tons of water get lost every year. That's about the equivalent to 27 Agondian reservoirs. They say the government should draw up a budget to bring down that rate down to under 10 percent by 2029. Let's hear from the lawmaker. At a time when it's hard for us to create a new water source, and given that it is highly difficult to build new reservoirs, when it comes to saving water, I'm afraid that we'll need to invest in a budget of 70 billion NT 
We need to speed up and greatly increase our efforts so that the leakage rate gets down to 10% as soon as possible. When the company was just established, in order to extend the supply's reach, we used relatively cheap pipes for buried pipelines. They're under pressure now because they've been used for a long time, and so they are more prone to damage and leaks. We are currently replacing some of the old pipelines. Water levels at all reservoirs in southern Taiwan have fallen below 50% capacity except for Wushan-Tou Reservoir and Mudan Dam. Over at Tainan's Baihe and Zhenwen Reservoirs, the situation is dire at just 20% and 15% capacity respectively. And currently, Tainan is on an orange alert for water shortages with moderate rationing measures. Over in Kaohsiung and Jiayi, the alert is yellow, meaning lower water pressures at night. Hualien on Friday welcomed its first international cruise ship since the start of the pandemic. The vessel, which carried 539 passengers, docked at the port of Hualien at 6 a.m. with passengers setting for trips to see local sites like Toroko Gorge. The Port Authority says it is the first of the nine cruise ships set to stop in Hualien this year, bringing almost 20,000 tourists to the area. A cruise ship sails into the port of Hualien at daybreak. To welcome the foreign vessel, the Port Authority turned on a fountain in the harbour. Passengers were also greeted with an indigenous dance. Performers wearing traditional clothes moved to the music, catching the eyes of foreign travelers, some of whom stopped to snap a shot. This vessel, the Nautica, is the first international cruise ship to dock in Hualien since the start of the pandemic. It is also the first time for the Nautica to sail to the port of Hualien. We are very happy to see cruises slowly come back. All our work today went very smoothly. The Nautica was built in the year 2000 and is registered in the Marshall Islands. It has a capacity of 684 passengers. Its previous stop was in Kaohsiung on Thursday. It then set off from Taiwan's southern port city with 539 passengers. After disembarking at 7 a.m. on Friday, the tourists flooded into Hualien to see what it has to offer. Some went on group tours to famous landmarks like Taroko Gorge or Qixingtan Beach. Others took taxis on their own personal tours, bringing income to the locals. We expect there to be nine passenger cruise ships docking here this year, with about 18,000 people in total. That's the current estimate. With COVID waning, domestic and international travellers are once again flocking to tourist spots. Things are finally looking up for Hualien's tourism sector. During the COVID pandemic, the Duanmu Naval Fleet suspend, suspended its long-distance training drills around Taiwan for three years. Starting on Friday, the fleet will tour seven major ports and the public will be able to board the boats and learn about the Navy's military preparedness. The first stop was Xingbing Wharf in Kaohsiung, where people thronged early Friday morning to get a glimpse. The Duanmu Naval Fleet's long-distance training group normally consists of one supply ship and two warships. This year, it will be the Panshi-class fast combat support ship, the Kangding-class frigate ROCS Chen De, 
and the Chenggong-class frigate ROCS Banzhao. After this training mission is over, the military says the fleet may travel abroad in April or May. Taiwan's elite art market is flourishing in the wake of COVID-19. And now that museums are open, the demand for new exhibitions is high. That means Taiwan's premier artwork transport company has lots to do. Today, we take a tour of the company's warehouses to find out how they keep priceless art safe in transit and even watch the art guards at work hanging an exhibition on the wall. In the 48 hours before an art show opens, the art guards are working flat out. A laser-level measure marks the center of the painting and calculates the golden viewing level. The wires and bolts are pulled tight, and it's ready. With 30 years of experience under their belt, the art guards have no need to exchange words. They've got the painting up on the wall in less than five minutes. Packaging is the hardest part of transporting these tricky customers. Environmental damage is easy to cause, not to mention if they bump the artworks. That's why acid-free paper, cushioning materials, foam mats and sponge padding are all indispensable. More valuable art needs to be placed inside many layers of custom-made wooden boxes. They have an armed escort from door to door, like presidential-level protection. Huang Zemin is chief executive of the biggest art logistics company in Taiwan. He gave us a personal tour of one of his warehouses, where temperature and humidity are precisely controlled. The 600-ping space is watched over by 48 separate CCTV cameras. There are special techniques for storing different types of painting. Huang once worked in export logistics. In 2005, he spotted a niche in the art market. He saw the steps that competitors neglected and did them as well as possible. Now, his specialist art logistics company is the go-to transport supplier for the National Palace Museum and the National Museum of History. Every year, they handle hundreds of billions of dollars worth of art. The overall economy has the smallest impact on this industry, because art has no borders. This year is an origin year. It's not post-pandemic, it's no pandemic. Art exhibitions have reopened in every country. The global economic downturn has little effect on the elite art market. These art guards still have plenty of work to do. Today, we meet one of Taiwan's most daredevil taxi drivers. Wu Bingchen is a taxi driver and amateur racing champion with many trophies to his name. He's fitted out his taxi just like a race car, and even met his wife behind the steering wheel. On the race course, he drives like there's no tomorrow, but to the relief of his clients, he always drives gently and carefully while at work. A passenger steps into the taxi. 
The polite driver greets her warmly, but don't be fooled, he also has a daredevil streak. Here he is at the Taiwan FIA Gymkhana race, making short work of an obstacle course. And here he is cutting up the racetrack in a go-kart. It's like the taxi movies come to life. This is Taiwan's very own taxi driving Hot Wheel. At the age of 29, U Bincheng has already tried his hand at many careers. He's been an executive assistant to a pharmaceuticals manufacturer and a used car dealer. He got his racing license in August 2021 and started competing in October that year. Since then, he's already bagged lots of trophies. I bought this as a birthday gift for myself. It's a BMW 318D F30 with some upgrades, like this bumper, the hood grille, the Calhorn rear view mirrors. I put in three extra exhaust pipes. I remodeled it based on real M3 race cars. This second-hand car has been gradually retrofitted into an eye-catching shape. After 10 years, it has 360,000 kilometers on the clock and has already had a new engine fitted. And it's covered with mementos from races. Lots of my clients say that I don't drive like a race car driver. I say, of course, I'm running a business. I have to consider the client's comfort. When he's ferrying passengers, he can't show off his tricks, but follows the highway code meticulously. After all, he's a dad with a family to look after. Safety comes first. Before we got married, my wife didn't say anything. She supported me. She was always by my side when I went to practice at the racetrack. Last May, my wife and daughter came up on the winner's podium with me at the touring car challenge. Wu's life is truly intertwined with a steering wheel. He even met his wife when she called a taxi. He's now got three champion trophies to his name, and the road is still calling.